commercials, uh, stage shows, um, started uh, performing, you know, concerts, put a band together and uh, fell in love with jazz music. And um, so I did some research. I wanted to find out the greatest jazz school uh, in the world. And I, you know, identified and auditioned and got into Berkeley College of Music. So wow. um, I packed my bags um, after I managed to save a little bit of money, not too much, um, landed up in Boston, uh, ran out of money really quickly. So I had to drop out of Berkeley College of Music and make my way down to New York City. Uh, and as soon as I landed in New York City, I felt right at home. Um, it was kind of like one of those places where you know just instantly the energy, the people, the architecture, the vibe, just everything that was going on at the time in New York City. Uh, and there was an incredible jazz scene. So I transferred, I went to the new school and um, studied and performed jazz um, and graduated with a degree in uh, music performance. I'm a saxophone player. That's my first love. Love that. And um, was t I, I put myself through college tending bar hmm. and... Um, you know, started getting gigs in the city, which didn't pay much. You know, it's really not easy to make a living as a jazz musician. So I, I needed something to supplement my income um, while I was trying to pursue my music career and support my habit, basically. Wow. And um, became a rental agent uh, in a little, little company in Soho huh. and uh, had no real formal training whatsoever, but I became a rental agent. I you know, hustled and worked very hard. And in my first two years did very, very well, very quickly. And um, I, you know, moved then into a sales company and I worked for one of the top sales companies in the city. And my first year there, I became the number one sales agent uh, in my, in my region. And that's uh, kind of a position I held for the next 12 years. Um, I became the top broker in the city wow. and um I kind of saw the business change a little bit over the course of that time. And, you know, always put a lot of my creative background into my real estate business. I love it. And I felt that the new model for real estate companies was to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And the bigger these companies became, specifically the one that I was at, I felt it became more corporate. There was more bureaucracy, more politics. And I kind of wanted to get away from that. So wow. in 2005, I started my own company, uh, Core. Um, and built the company really with kind of a unique approach to real estate. Uh, we built a marketing company that happened to sell real estate. And um, that was kind of my, you know, my foray into owning my own business, my own company. Um, the business model was to always be small, only attract top producing agents, um, kind of use myself as a prototype. You know, and I would say to myself, what are the things that I needed to make my business better as a top agent wow. and then build those resources around kind of what I was looking to do and the things that would move the needle uh, for my business, you know, not necessarily a bigger split or a free car service or things that, you know, really didn't make a big difference to the amount of deals I did, but things that were meaningful, like my brand um, kind of PR marketing uh, expertise, information, data, et cetera, et cetera, and started layering that into core and kind of built the company organically from that premise. Wow. And uh, the rest is history. That was a long answer to a short question. No, Sean, that was beautiful. And I'm going to pull more detail out of you because you gave so much great stuff, but I want to dive a little bit deeper in a couple of segments. So I want to, I want to bring it back to, to jazz first and foremost, because I think that that's an incredible part of your life and, and still is right. So um, I really want everybody to understand kind of where you're coming from with that. So what was the inspiration 
to jazz music for you in the first place? I know we're getting off of real estate for a second, but what was that? And do you draw from any particular musicians? Is there, is there a musician that really just inspired you or that you love for any of the jazz aficionados out there? Uh, I, I would, I'm just curious. Yeah, so it's funny, jazz is the only true American art form. Uh, most Americans don't even know that, but it, it's a, the only true real American art form. Um, some can argue maybe later that, you know, rap uh, became one of those art forms as well, but initially it was just jazz. And, you know, when I was about 14 years old, I played in a lot of rock bands. We played at concerts, uh, you know, we did, did a lot of performances. And I kind of got bored with the musicality uh, and a simplicity in the chord progressions in a rock song. You know, you play two or three chords over and over again. Hmm. So I kind of, you know, my ears started broadening and I got exposed to Charlie Parker at a very young age oh, and okay. um, kind of blew my mind. And the more I started listening and trying to understand the music, the more interested in, the, in it I became hmm. and was influenced very early on by... Um, you know, just some great saxophonists, um, you know, playing the instruments, I kind of wanted to study other saxophonists, um, huh. you know, um, John Coltrane, Charlie Parker, Cannibal Adderley, uh, Sonny Rollins, um, Dexter Gordon, um, Lester Young, I mean, the list is so long of great huh. artists that really sure. came and kind of set the groundwork for the music and, and created the language, uh, first of bebop, and then beyond that. And, um, so I was very inspired by that. And I wanted to go to the place in the world where the greatest jazz musicians, living jazz musicians were performing. And that was New York City at the time. Okay. And um, I feel like everything in life comes back to jazz music. And, and the more I, I learn and read about other people in other industries, the more I hear them reference it. Um, I don't know if you know who Alex Honnold is, but he uh, yeah. um, was in that Jimmy Chin movie, Free Solo. He's one of the greatest free, free soloists and, and rock climbers. Uh, in the world okay and he did a podcast uh, this week which he launched and um he the whole topic of the podcast was how climbing is like jazz music hmm. and how it's like bebop and his, how his connection to understanding jazz um really uh, kind of was um transferred into his knowledge of rock climbing hmm. um i don't know if you're familiar with ray dalio who started bridgewater uh, one of the most successful financial minds in, you know, uh, ever. Wow. Um, and, and he wrote, wrote a book, which I highly recommend called Principles. Hmm. And um, there's a whole chapter there devoted to how the business world is connected to jazz improvisation and playing music and how the concept of the mind is, is a very similar, similar approach. Wow. And um, I actually did a TED talk uh, about a year ago um, where I connected uh, jazz and how the mind works and creativity in business. Hmm. Um, so I think there's a deep connection. You know, I think everything in life is connected. There's a reason why we land up in the place we, we're at. Um, sure. You know, and those are the things that brought me to real estate, marketing, sales, and then ultimately new development and creating new homes and, and creating homes for the future for people. Uh, I, I think that uh, that explanation and answer is, is beautiful. And, and you had mentioned so many incredible uh, musicians and there's a, uh, what is it? The, the film called Whiplash and Charlie Parker is mentioned several times through that. And that's that I'm not, I'm not super versed in jazz, but I, I watch a lot of films and free solo, as you mentioned, I, I, I didn't recognize his name, but I, I love that movie. It's incredible film. And uh, you know, this is, this is great dialogue, Sean. I just love chatting with you about this. And I, I want to, 
I want to dive a little bit deeper into the, I guess, the second segment that you had mentioned that really kind of struck a nerve um, as I'm listening, and hopefully everybody who's watching or listening live with us now can get this. You really had said that point where you looked at marketing as the front-facing portion and that you happen to be in real estate sales. So, and, and I love that aspect and mentality because it is all about really messaging and connecting and, and really having the ability to draw and attract the attention that's necessary. And ultimately the product or service is irrelevant at a certain point, you really have to get that message out and you have to connect with the people in a meaningful way before any product or service can be exchanged. So I would love your example as to, I guess, why, why did you think about injecting that order of things into real estate and what's your perspective on real estate marketing in general? Um, Sure, that's a yeah. I could talk for hours on that. I love um, it, but, <laughs> but I won't. Don't worry. That, no, no, that's good. That's good. I, I'm, open. Um, I'm open. You know, I think um, you know there's a way you you know you have to have a call to action, mm-hmm. right? And that call to action gets someone to pick up the phone and be interested in something, and then to get educated about a product, whatever that product is. Mm-hmm. We happen to sell real estate, and. Um, I was very frustrated with the way in which real estate was being marketed or presented. Everything was cookie cutter. Everyone was doing things the same. Um, We were actually the first company to take professional photos of apartments and homes. Um, Before that, like at my previous company, we would go in with those disposable cameras. I'm aging myself a little bit. This is before the cell phone. And we would take photos that way. And then we would just, you know, if you look at like, well, you know, the progress of real estate marketing, I mean, the bar was incredibly low. Wow. Um, we opened up a gallery on the corner of uh, 18th Street and 7th Avenue, hmm. and we wanted to make it a kind of like an art gallery experience where people would come in and they'd look at these beautiful photos of and, and renderings of these beautiful properties, and they'd say, oh, that's beautiful. Where is that? Hmm. That's the call to action. Love it. And, um, you know, there were a lot of things we did first as a company. We were the first company to have a real estate blog. We were the first company to kind of do video the way it's done now. Um, And that all came from the creative concept and my creative background of that call to action. What's going to kind of get someone interested Mm -hmm. and then how are we going to educate them about the product and then sell them, you know, their dream. And if you don't have that first connection, you've got nothing. And I, I, you know, I tell my, my agents, you know, you could be the greatest sales agent in the world, but if you don't go to a pitch and win the pitch, you know, it's like being an actor. You could be the greatest actor in the world, but if you don't pass an audition, you're never going to get that opportunity to actually go and perform in the role. Wow. Um, and this is the same thing. You know, if you don't, um, you know, win the pitch or put yourself in front of the client, you're never going to have the opportunity to show them how well you can negotiate, how well you can represent them, how well you can market anything. So I think that's really critical. So with that concept in mind, you know, I said, we're, we're really creating like an ad agency. Um, that happens to sell real estate. And of course, we want to be experts in what we sell. And that's a huge component of what we do. Um, We were the first company actually to do a reality TV show. You know, um, HGTV kind of approached me and they said, you know, we're doing this program called Selling New York. Mm. It's for HGTV. Would you be interested? Um, at At the same time, we started getting approached by Bravo and some other people who were doing shows. And for me, it was very important to make sure that the star of the show was the property, not wow. the agent. And I've Love seen that, that huge shift in uh, the industry 
where um, I'm seeing it's no longer about the property, it's more about the agent and the agent's ego and the way that they're representing themselves. Wow. Um, but for Selling New York, um, the reason why we chose to do the HGTV show and Selling New York is, is the shows were about the real estate. It wasn't about the drama behind the personalities and the agents. It was more about like, this is a beautiful home. This is what makes it great. These are the things that contribute to the landscape of, you know, the residential market. Um, and it was a very different perspective and a different position it was coming from. Hmm. And that resonated with me. And that, that for us was a game changer, that show. That kind of put us on the global map Wow. of being known as a brand, but also being known as a brand that focuses on the client and the real estate, not so much on the agents. Hmm. But when you, when you mentioned that though, Sean, I mean, it's very specific into the decisions that you made for the future growth of the business and uh, not just the representation of, of the properties, as you mentioned, but the representation of, of you and your brand in and of itself. And they, they go together very, very well. I love the fact that you had really put perspective on the properties. And as you say that, you're absolutely right. If you think anybody out there is watching and listening to this, if you think about pretty much every single real estate reality show, it is about the personality. It is about the individuals and not the product itself, which is the real estate, the property, which is very, a very unique perspective. I, I honestly never thought of it that way, Sean, but it's a, uh, it's clarity for a lot of people that are out there. And I think, again, showcasing the you elevating what the industry should be and the expectations of the true professional. And, and I, I love that, that, uh, that mentality and level. And I think that this is a, a beautiful segue into the next portion because you have so much um, longevity and expertise into this, Sean. I know you can answer this question in so many different ways. So wherever you want to go with it, but it's mm -hmm. really, if you could look back at your career and pick or choose one or two things that you added or implemented to your business that you really saw it move the needle that really elevated and changed, you know, how things were being done, not just for you, but maybe uh, for the brand itself or everybody you're associated with, whatever piece of advice you'd give. I mean, I think the, you know, there's two, there's two things. So a lot of what we as a company created were revolutionary in the industry and mm -hmm. kind of game changers. We did a lot of things that came out of basic common sense. Um, one thing that comes to mind, you know, about 15 years ago, we started the first real-time report. We called it the mm -hmm. core real-time report. Um, and it was uh, a report that kind of tracked contract signing data. Mm -hmm. And no report like that had ever been done before, you know, because as you know, when a, when a property closes, that's the only time like there's a public record of it. Mm -hmm. But the market, especially in new development, where you could go to contract and wait six months to close, it doesn't really represent this, the market for six months later. It represents the market in the moment in time in which the contract is being signed. Mm. So we looked at that and we said, well, we're going to try and understand where the market is the moment the contracts are being signed. So mm. we called it the real-time report to attract contract signing numbers and it was the first of the kind of its kind and it kind of shifted the way the industry looked at data and data uh -huh. tracking. Okay. And, you know, soon after that, the bigger companies with deeper pockets kind of did their own, own version of the report. And mm -hmm. um, that was really good to see. We kind of made a shift in the mentality in the industry. Um, and we've done, you know, initiatives like that based out of common sense. Um, you know, I'll tell you this, this, you know, the things that we've done well and that have been right, you know, if you look at the agents in the market who really are the successful agents, they're mm -hmm. the ones who are doing the most deals, who are making the most money. 
those are the agents who are focusing on their clients. Mm. Those are the agents who are not really focusing on themselves um, in, in the business. They're focusing on making sure that their clients are happy. Mm. Because if the client is happy, they're going to refer you other business. I think okay. 75% of this business is referral based. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we bake it in, down, if we boil it down, it's really, this is a service industry. Mm. You know, this is not, I know there are companies out there talking about tech and disrupting the business. And, but at the end of the day, this is a service industry and mm. it's about connecting to people and it's about connecting to your client. It's about representing your client. It's mm. about being an expert in the market. It's about knowing the market. It's about advising them. You know, and that's what they will value. Anyone can deliver data or tech, um, but not everyone can deliver the highest level of service, expertise, insight, and customer service. Uh -huh. Those are the things that money cannot buy. Uh -huh. And those are the things that will, if you're going to be a real estate agent, uh, the one thing that I'll say was, you know, a signature of the success of myself and my agents is that we've delivered that level of customer service, insight, and expertise. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. Uh, but it's the thing that the client uh, respects and responds to the most. Hmm. So, you know, it, it's not rocket science, you know, go the extra mile for your client. I know a lot of what I say now may sound cheesy and not cool and sexy, but you know what? It's, 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 it's sexy when you get a big check for a commission and it's even sexier when the phone rings two weeks later from their friend who's looking to buy a $10 million home saying, oh my God, you helped my friend out and they said you're the best and you helped them. You know, I'd love you to work with us. That's very sexy. Um, <laughs> I you know, agree. <laughs> that's what I would focus on. I'd focus on the client, uh, make sure that they're taken care of, make sure you're representing their interests. And that's kind of, it's, it's a unique concept today, I guess, but it's mm -hmm. an old fashioned, tried and true business model. Uh, Sean, that that breakdown of what you just mentioned, it to me is the bedrock of of true business entrepreneurs and professionals, especially into this field. And you know, a mentor of mine told me this years and years ago. Uh, you know, everybody gets away from the the basics, and they they say, "Oh, I'm going to get back to the basics." Well, the true professionals never leave the basics. I mean, it, it's just a part of it. Now, as you mentioned, does it sound or seem sexy? Is it flashy, a shiny object? Maybe not. But at the end of the day, what, what is everybody doing this for? And what are they representing? And you, you'd said it beautifully. I mean, timestamp that out and break it down and send it to every real estate professional in the world. They need to live by that. That's, that's a true statement, Sean. That was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do something disruptive, take care of the client. That's disruptive. <laughs> There's a concept. Who does that? What's going on? Yeah, I, know. What do you I need, need a system to do that for me. That's not, yeah. But, but I love that you mention it because it's, it's one of those things where it seems to be common sense, but it's common sense is not common. It's thrown around quite a bit, but it's just not. And everybody's looking for that, the quick shortcut, the, the jump ahead or, or really scale to, to that exponential level. Uh, but at the end of the day, no system tool tactic, mastermind, anything that's going on, if you're not servicing the client, I mean, that's right. That's yeah, absolutely. Anyway. I mean, I got a lot of inspiration from, you know, the people in New York city who I kind of looked up to and uh, respected and, you know, were mentored by um, were the commercial real estate agents, mm -hmm. the, the men and women who were selling these big office buildings or these big commercial hotels or, you know, and I looked at the way they looked at their business and it was very much about the client it was very much about getting the information right. And it was very much about knowing the product, uh. 
you know, that's another thing. You want to move the needle and, and be revolutionary and disrupt the, the disruptor. Know your product. Huh. Um, I can't tell you how many showings you go into and the real estate agent thinks they're there just to open a door. Anyone can open a door right. and look pretty. Um, but, you know, know what the mechanical system is. Know what the comps are. Know what the market is. Know, you know, what's going on. And that's the value that people you know, will really put on your expertise. And that's why they'll use you. And when I looked at these commercial brokers in the city, that's why they're being hired. They're not being hired because they have the most followers on Instagram. Mm -mm. They're being hired because they're experts. And when it comes to negotiating and getting a sale done, they're going to rep represent their clients and get the best deal done for their client. Gosh, Sean. I, I mean, I, I know that we could go on and on and on about different perspectives and things along those lines and how to really grow and move the needle and scale. But you, you had said so many beautiful things that if anybody out there who's watching or listening applies one of those things that you mentioned and really focus on the client themselves, exponential growth. And, and, and truly, I mean, it doesn't matter what market you're in, if you're new or if you're seasoned, that is just beautiful perspective and advice. And, and I love it because it's simple and to the point and it's truthful. And the, the difference is between a lot of people and no disrespect to coaches or trainers or anything along those lines, but Sean, you're a true practitioner. You've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. So you really are just coming from a, a, a place of good heart and just sharing with, with the audience. And I appreciate that. I know everybody else does too. So um, I want to to give you a big shout out though, Sean, uh, on topic, because I know you're doing so many different things and the growth patterns, every impact that you're making in the real estate community. But I, I would love to share your podcast with the audience. And I would, I would encourage everybody to, to tune in, to subscribe and, and get involved. If you liked anything you heard with Sean so far, there's just more of it. But could you talk about your podcast season one and then now into season two and just sure, give it Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so one thing that I've always believed in is transparency. Uh, when I started Core, I said, you know, we're, you know, I came from a company where people locked their, their drawers, they closed their office doors, they kind of sneaked around the office because they were worried someone was going to steal something or they didn't want to share information. And this is another connection to jazz. You know, something that I love about musicians is they share ideas and information and creativity. And they say, well, if you can do this and, and I can make you better, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's a very positive attitude. And when I started Core, I wanted to make sure that we worked together as a team. Huh. And by doing that, I, you know, uh, really kind of promoted transparency, share ideas, share our clients, share, you know, ways that we can help each other become more successful because it's a huge multi-billion dollar industry huh. and there's more than enough for everyone. Wow. And um, I wanted us to grow together and help each other get stronger. So when it came to the podcast, I thought, well, what are the things that people might find interesting to hear? Uh -huh. And, you know, through the course of my career, I've been very fortunate to work and become an expert in new development, marketing and sales and pre-development. And, hmm. you know, I wanted to speak to the people that I'd been fortunate enough meeting and having relationships with who really were kind of creating the skylines of the world, um, people who were shaping the way, you know, future generations would be living. You know, we don't really think about this too much, but developers have a huge responsibility. They're building a building and ultimately there are going to be people living in the building and they're going to have a huge direct impact on the way in which these people live. The decisions they make, you know, um, how you enter the building, what your experience is, your happiness. Think about your home, sure. you know, and how, how it affects your day-to-day -day 
living and experience and outlook. Mm-hmm. And so what, because I have access to a lot of these people, um, I spoke to a lot of the architects, developers, engineers, and the people who kind of were instrumental in creating these beautiful buildings around the world. Yeah. And I focused the first season primarily on New York City, which okay. is my backyard. Love it. Um, but for season two, I've had incredible conversations um, with people around the world. I spoke mm-hmm. to the top developer in Australia. I spoke to the top expert in London. Um, I spoke to someone in um, Costa Rica. San Francisco, um, just, yeah, like, you know, it's always interesting for me when I travel the world to try and understand how people are living their lives and what we can learn from their experience and bring it home. And season two of Onsite kind of will bring that to the people who are interested in listening to that. Mm-hmm. Season one was a huge success. Um, very quickly, we became one of the top 200 podcasts on Spotify, which was great. That's huge. Um, so it, it, yeah, I think it's, it's good because it gives people who might not ordinarily have access to hear what these great um, experts have to say and kind of highlight and, and expose, you know, their world and give some transparency to, you know, their career and, and their industry. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And, and I know that the, uh, the Titan nation is very similar to just learning perspectives from so many different people's walks of life and who they are, where they come from and, and what drives and motivates them. But, but more importantly, to, to your point, to, to your show, it, it's just so critically important to understand that what these, you know, professionals are doing to shape the future. I mean, that that's literally shaping lives and shaping the future, but from all over the world, which is wonderful perspective. So, uh, you know, because we're all wrapped up in our, our micro markets in our cities or our states or our countries, and very rarely do we poke our heads out and say, what's going on over here? What's going on over here? So um, I think that's awesome opportunity for anybody to tune into to your show. I have links in the comments down below so people can subscribe. They can really catch up on on season one and then dive into season two, Sean. So this is incredible. I, I can't wait to, uh, to, to be a, to jump in and be a fan just the same way. So, uh, this is fantastic, but, um, yeah, I, I'm Sean, I can't thank you enough for, uh, just all the time and effort, uh, you know, that you've given and shared just of your, your history and your longevity. And again, your career path, uh, it's just been an honor to, to chat with you, my friend. And I really appreciate your time. I really do. Sure. No, it's great. Thanks for having me on as a guest. Yeah. Hey, it it was a blast. And I know that everybody is just super excited about it. And again, I'll encourage everybody, please follow along, uh, subscribe to the podcast, really get to know Sean and what core is all about. Uh, And and if you're interested, we'll have contact information and links below as always. But uh, Sean, I do have to dub you an official real estate Titan. So that's that's a badge. You You can wear that proudly, my friend. Um, That's yours forever. No one can take it away. But um, yeah, it's, it was, an honor my friend i appreciate you and, and everybody out there as as always i appreciate you and thank you so much for your time and attention and love and support if you like here what we're doing with real estate titans don't forget to subscribe and like you know what to do at this point i do want to give our sponsor a quick shout out lion bolt media if you are in real estate you're looking to elevate and accelerate your current business through digital marketing and advertisement visit lionboltmedia.com we are live here every tuesday afternoon with a different titan a different location we'll catch everybody in the next live episode of real estate titans Take care. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Greg. Take See care. See you later. Bye.